Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. All right, let's do this. A Sunday, October 24th edition of Flyers Daily with Jason Martinez. Flyers suffer their first regulation loss of the season. 4-2 final score against the Florida Panthers. Florida moves to 5-0 and on the season, and they've beaten some really good teams in those five games and just haven't given up many goals either. Only four goals in one game. Florida's only given up one goal in three of those games, two goals in one game, and four goals in one game, but they're 5-0 and and off to a great start. They got the opening goal of the game on Jonathan Huberto's power play goal. Now, they'd be on the power play quite a bit in this game, and power play and special teams and shorthanded uh, would certainly play a part as well. As I said, Huberto opened up the scoring uh, three minute, or 17 minutes into the game uh, on the power play, and the Flyers got it tied up on a power play of their own when Claude Giroux, with an absolute clapper, goes high blocker on Sergei Bobrovsky. It ties the game at one early in the second period, and the Flyers took a lead with a shorthanded goal from Cam Atkinson, his fourth of the season, and that's just something we didn't see last year. We just didn't see shorthanded goals from the Flyers. Uh, Kevin Hayes, two years ago, was a guy on the PK that would occasionally get the the good opportunity or the breakaway. Here, Cam Atkinson nets his fourth of the season and picks up the shorthanded goal unassisted, gave the Flyers the 2-1 lead. Uh, but at 19:33 of the second period, it was the Panthers in the final minute of play getting the tying goal uh, from Owen Tippett, his first, and that was 2-2 after 2. Now, the Flyers, if they reckon back to that game against the Bruins the other night, headed into the third period, tied at 3, and had a great third period, outscored the Bruins 3 to nothing. But on this occasion, they wouldn't get any goals in the third. It would be the Panthers who would get 2, one of them an empty net goal. Uh, but prior to that, Flyers go on the power play with a great opportunity to go up in the game. At 7.53, though, it's the Panthers who return the shorthanded favor. Jonathan Huberto goes in on the breakaway on Sergei Bobrovsky. Jonathan Huberto goes in on the two-on-one, gets the pass, goes in all alone on Carter Hart, who makes a great left pad save. But then somehow Huberto is able to collect that puck, get it from his skate to his foot, and what a savvy play. He fires it off Carter Hart uses him as the backboard, and puts it into the net. And uh, that gave the Panthers the lead, the 3-2 lead. And like I said, at 1848, they got the empty net goal when Sam Reinhart picked up his second as a Panther, second on the season, and it gave the Panthers the 4-2 win. Now, we're going to get to some Twitter questions. And one of the questions I got was from David Schatzer. He said, the shorthanded goal by Hubie, Huberto, uh, please settle a debate. One of my friends says Carter can't let up that rebound goal. Another friend said, great original save. The blame goes on G and Yandel for the turnover. What says you? And my answer to that is simple. Ask your friend what Carter could have done differently, given all the elements of the sequence. And, you know, it's a bad turnover started by Keith Yandel at the blue line. It puts Claude Giroux in a position going backwards at the end of his shift and trying to break up a two-on-one, which obviously he's not a defenseman, not accustomed to doing. And, you know, again, what could Carter have done differently? He made a great save on the initial shot from Jonathan Huberto. It's it's not one of those situations where you go, well, he's got to control that rebound. It's a breakaway. So I don't know what Carter could have done. Sometimes you got to just give the stick taps to the opposition. And in this play, that's just a great hockey play by Jonathan Huberto to collect that puck, the skills to collect it, and fire it right back in off a a Carter Hart, 
who still sprawled out from the save. There was no recovery time. So I'm not going to, I know that like a lot of, some people think that um, a lot of people maybe think that I'm a goalie apologist, but again, if you want to answer that question to your friend, ask him what Carter could have done differently given all the elements of the sequence. And I just don't know what he could have done differently. Um, but let's get to some Twitter questions because we haven't done Twitter questions in a while. And I, I love answering everybody's questions. And you guys do such a great job tweeting them in. And Bahama Mama Enthusiast tweets in with an interesting question. He said, if you had to take one forward out of the lineup and one defenseman out of the lineup based on their play in the first four games, who would, quote, they be? Now, the forward to me is really easy. That's Nicholas Aubé-Kubel. Took another penalty in this game. They killed it off, but he's taken too many penalties, and he just hasn't gotten his game back to where it was two years ago. He had a great chance. Before he got called for that penalty in the third period, he had a great chance uh, kind of on trying to get loose and, and got a good opportunity on Bobrovsky, but then stuck his leg out and tripped a player. I think it was Marchant. You just can't do that, and it's – these are, to me, mental penalties a lot of times with him. As far as the defenseman that I would take out, I mean, I would take out Nick Sealer as long as I could have Ryan Ellis healthy. Other than that, you know, I don't think Travis Sanheim's been bad. He's trying to gain chemistry with Rasmus Ristolainen, who brings an element of physicality. Uh, Provorov, I'm not taking him out. I'm not taking Justin Braun out. So I would, it's got to be Nick Sealer. But I think it's a, maybe a bit of an unfair question when it comes to the defenseman side. Because Ellis was out, which is what Andreas Elm tweets in and asks about. What is up with Ellis? He's a very important player for our lineup, but him taking so many maintenance days and missing games this early in his Flyers, Flyers career is having me worried. Well, a big part of Ryan Ellis, and he's going to take maintenance days, and that's fine. Um, but he's he's banged up a little early. Now, I don't know if that's just bad luck or that's you know what we're going to get from Ryan Ellis. It's still like so much of this conversation is still so much on a small sample size. You could have absolutely used him in that game, for sure. You're a much better team when he plays. But I don't know if this is going to be something that we're going to be still talking about in a month or three months or five months. We just don't know. Um, he's a guy that has missed games in the past with the Predators, but we'll see uh, what the, the situation is here for the Flyers. I'm not sure if I can answer that yet, but I do agree um, with how important Ryan Ellis is to the team. And if he's going to miss games, let's just make the assumption that he was going to miss not one out of every four, but say one out of every five or six games, that would be worrisome to me as well. That would have me worried. Um, John McClain tweeted it and said, the leash on Nicholas Albeck-Hubel has to be cut pretty soon, right? He takes so many penalties and doesn't redeem himself with his play. If he's if he was able to finish off any of the chances, I could live with it. But for every good play, there are four bad ones. Enough is enough. And yeah, that's kind of what I was alluding to before. Some guys can outscore their lack of discipline or outscore their mistakes. But he's a fourth line player. He's not going to outscore his mistakes. And with Patrick Brown now available off the COVID list, um, I think that we. I mean, maybe as soon as the next game, we could see. Uh, Nicholas Albay-Kubel as a healthy scratch for Patrick Brown brings an element of physicality, which Albay-Kubel also brings. And the Flyers are going to go from 
losing to the Panthers, who are 4-0, now 5-0, to facing another 5-0 team come Wednesday in the Edmonton Oilers when they kick off their first road trip. Three games in four days. Edmonton on Wednesday night at 10 o'clock. Then on Thursday, it's to British Columbia to take on the Vancouver Canucks, and then back to Alberta to to take on the Calgary Flames on Saturday. So it's going to be a quick trip, a busy trip, and they're going to get a a decent amount of miles in this trip. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see how they handle that power play of the Edmonton Oilers because it is absolutely lethal. It was last year in the shortened season, and once again, it is this year as well. As a matter of fact, that power play for the Oilers so far – Clicking, this is a, this is absurd. The, clicking at forty seven point one percent. Now it's a small sample size, but last year it was it, at an absurd number as well. The number two power play in the NHL right now is actually the Carolina Hurricanes. And I was asked earlier in one of the Twitter questions, I, I put a post up that just said that fill in this blank. The twenty twenty one twenty two Flyers are blank. And one of the responses I got, and I was really surprised to see the response, was from a guy, and I'm going to put his name out there, I don't care, uh, BCB Jr., Wandering Bear 86 he said, still lacking power play consistency. Well, the Flyers are third right now in the NHL in power play conversion, 36.4%. Good in a regular season on the power plays, 20 to 22%. If you're scoring goals on 36.4%, that's not inconsistent. That's pretty darn good. So I don't know. You might want to kick the zenith or go pick up a new flat screen because I don't know what you're looking at. Um, Derek Koval tweets in and says, Hart played well. Defense did not. Bob looked great against us as usual. I, yeah, I thought Carter was really good in the game. He made some really big saves, especially in the first period, some in the second as well, and strung together a couple of really good outings to start the season here. And... That's a really dangerous offensive team in Florida. I mean, some really good saves. And, yeah, Bob, Sergei Bobrovsky was great in the game. But he's always been great against the Flyers. It's, it's just something that he's – a team that he's performed really well against. Uh, John Steyert. I hope I said that right, John. He said, small sample size, but how are you feeling about the Sanheim-Risto pairing? He said they should probably be renamed to the Allman Brothers as they're everyone's favorite whipping boys for different reasons. It's a nice one. Uh, Whipping Post, of course, is a song by the Allman Brothers, one of my favorite Allman Brothers songs. But uh, they're the ones that seem to have the crosshairs on them right now. I I think that there's still a lot of chemistry to be gained. I think at moments they've looked good, but also at moments they look like they're thinking on the ice. And when you're thinking on the ice, you can almost see it. The play's not instinctual. It's not crisp. And that's going to just take a little bit of time, hopefully not too much time, because if you have that situation where you're on the road and you're taking on a team like the Edmonton Oilers and they have last change and they want to get that McDavid dry line out there against you, you don't have time to think. They are unbelievable at uh, getting on top of you. They play with such speed and such skill that you don't have time to think. You and your partner better be on the same page. Let's get to some of the fill-in-the-blanks. The Philadelphia Flyers, the 21-22 Philadelphia Flyers are fill-in-the-blank. And Jake said what they set out to be. Harder to play against than they were last year and exciting. But he says also has a question. Do you think there were too many of the, quote, extra passes tonight? Or is that needed for a red-hot Bobrovsky so far? Happy with Carter's play also. He was on it. Yeah, I thought there was a little more... 
you know, try to find that perfect scoring chance, especially later in the game. And I think those kind of mentalities develop in-game, and they develop from a goalie that's really hard to beat. So the opposition starts to go, man, we can't just beat them by shooting. We're going to have to make a perfect play so they pass a little more. JVR had one in the third period that he just held on to. They ended up getting a good scoring opportunity out of it, but that's how a goalie can get into a guy's head. That's kind of what Carey Price has done to players for so long. It's almost like players a lot of times are afraid to take what you would call an average or below average scoring chance against Price. Because they're just like, eh, he's gonna he's gonna eat that up. They've got to be super great, high danger chances, and that that's part of the mental game that a good goalie, a really good goalie, can play with the opposition. Arzika tweeted in and said, the Philadelphia 2021-22 Flyers this year are not quitting like last year. He said these games are all hard fought and they're into them. I don't think they quit last year, to be honest with you. I remember many games, even when things were really bad that they came roaring back in games. I don't think they quit, but they are fighting harder, and they're fighting more consistently through the lineup is maybe a good way to put it. Derek Markovic tweets in and says, the Philadelphia Flyers are, he said, competitive, all I can ask for. Uh, Mayor McCheese says, they look solid, and I think Hart is showing that he's back. Wasn't perfect, but he looks way more confident, and I agree with you. I don't think he's been perfect yet. I think he's made some really big saves. I think he still needs to tighten some things up in regards to his movements and uh, his play reading, but I think that he's obviously been way better than he was in that month of March of last year. Uh, Philly wants the cup. Jay Terso 98 said 21-22 Philadelphia Flyers are a contender. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know that I'm ready to go there yet. I don't think there's a reason to go there yet. I don't know who's a contender and who's a pretender. The sample size is too small, and that to me is just getting a little out of control a little too early. Um, Pesh tweets in and says the Philadelphia Flyers are grittier but not good enough. And again, just like the question before, are they grittier? I think so. I think that they are a team that stands up for each other a lot more than they did last year. There's more accountability to the opposition on the ice. but I don't know that they're not good enough. There's just not a big enough sample size yet to to determine that. I think they're better than they were last year. Uh, but what is good enough? Is good enough a team that's going to go into the playoffs and have a chance to win a couple rounds and see where it goes? Or is good enough to win the cup? I, you can't say they're good enough to win the cup right now. I don't, I don't know any team that's good enough to win the cup right now. Maybe with the exception of Florida. I wouldn't even say Edmonton is that because I don't know what their goaltending is going to be. I don't trust Mike Smith or Mika Koskinen. I don't I don't know that they're a team that can defend in the playoffs. So I don't know who's a contender right now. Uh, Thomas Nye tweets and he says, the 2021-22 Flyers are fun to watch again. Some of the games last year were miserable to watch all the way through. But with this team, I don't feel like a fool tuning in every night. They are a lot more fun to watch. They play a lot faster. And even though Yandel made the mistake tonight, he's a fun player to watch. And what I do know for sure is that Cam Atkinson is a really good, energetic player, shoot-first mentality, and a fun player to watch, too. I mean, and how, I mean, talk about a, a great shot. Cam Atkinson's got a great release, which is why he scored over 40 goals in this league. But how about the, the power play goal for the Flyers' first goal? The, just pull up on the right side and an absolute bomb from Giroux to beat Bobrovsky high blocker on a clear-sighted shot. 
Uh, Giroux's been a lot more aggressive this year, and he's. I think he's off to a good start. He looks good. He looks uh, um, a little pissed off with how last year went still, which is a good thing. Papa Rog tweets in and says, the 2021-22 Flyers are out to prove something. Totally agree. Uh, Kyle Seifer tweets in and says, the 21-22 Flyers are, quote, right where they should be. There will be some hiccups like tonight, but stay the course and they will be fine. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to take a little time for them just to kind of fully get into a rhythm to become a team that knows how to play with each other. Because I don't think they're that yet. We remember that from a couple years ago. We didn't, the Flyers didn't really come together until basically the second half of the season. They had a good November. They had a horrible December. We all know what happened in that December when Oscar Lindblom was diagnosed and that road trip. But then when they came back from that road trip, they didn't lose back-to-back games until the second round of the playoffs. So I think they're a team um, that in the second half could be much better than they are in the first half because they have to get used to playing with each other. you got to find out where guys like pucks, where they're going to be when they play without the puck, all of those things. Francis Scullin tweets in and says, The 21-22 Flyers are, quote, worth investing in. Oh, so they're kind of like a stock. Were they got a nickel stock going into the season? Now they're a dollar stock? They weren't a penny stock, but okay, I'm with you. I can agree with that. Brandon tweets in and says, The 21-22 Flyers are, quote, undecided. That Hey, I have no problem with you being undecided yet. It's only four games. They started off last year 7-2-1. and one. Four games, it's it's a... I guess the best way that I would term this first this start with a four-game homestand is that they are off to a good start. It's not a great start. It's not a terrific start. It's a pretty good start. It's not bad. It's not good. It's not great. It's not really good. It's not bad. It's it's a decent start. I don't know. I guess, I guess that's the best way I would term it. Uh, Jeff Nelson tweeted and said the 21-22 Flyers are, quote, heading in the right direction. I hope so. I think they are as well. And last one, Nick Devine tweets in. He says the 21-22 Flyers are, quote, fun, a lot more energy compared to last year. Th- some things to clean up, but very optimistic for them this year. I would agree. And I agree that all of you made a great decision to listen to this podcast, and I appreciate it greatly. Your loyalty is unparalleled, and the Flyers will be back in action come Wednesday. So we'll have a couple cool things over the next couple of episodes for you. Get a chance to stretch our legs a little bit uh, here early in the season with a couple off days from games. So until uh, tomorrow, when we'll bring you another brand new episode, everybody enjoy your Sunday. We'll talk to you on Monday with a brand new episode of Flyers Day. I'm dying